Helen Bryles, I know for quite some time from forums. We belong together. One thing that strikes me about Helen is her way of looking at product making as sort of a holistic experience, if I'm allowed to say that by her. She doesn't rush it. She looks for the right time, moment, and place to make her move with a new idea and knows when to call it quits or even sell the product if she thinks it can find a better home. I wish I was more like Helen, honestly. I tend to rush things. I tend to stick to one idea for a long period of time. Um, and I wish I'll, I was a little bit more calm about the way I go about product making. Uh, she was generous enough to speak with me in this episode, given it was a Friday night. Um, it's most likely one of the longest episodes, if I'm not mistaken, but it felt like a breeze to me. We could have talked even more, but my laptop's battery was dying, so I'm sure we'll pick up for more another time. So here is the entire interview, raw and uncut. All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is episode 31, and I'm very excited that I have a guest today. So it's not only me talking like I usually do. It's a little bit more interesting. Uh, so I have Helen Riles, who I've known online for quite some time, and she does products and everything in and around the product. So uh, can you introduce yourself, Helen? You probably know best about you, what, what you're up to now. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um so yeah, I'm I'm Helen. Um, I uh, I work as a tech manager in the UK, and um, you know we've we've spoken a lot about products in the past. Um, I've had a lot of side projects over the years, and yeah, I think we've kind of um, discussed a lot about uh, building side projects and what works best, and and how to market them really over the past few years. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're both part of a mega maker group that Justin runs, yeah. Justin Jackson, and uh, we've known each other from that group. And uh, what impresses me the most about you is that you've done so many products. <laughs> <laughs> I know you say that they're not like, you know, huge products, but still to have like, what, 40 or so in your list? Yeah. Is that right? That's about right. Around about 40 in about 10 years. So maybe, oh my maybe around God. four okay. a year. They're all quite small, but they all kind of test different ideas and different strategies and different marketing ideas. And that's really the reason that I do that. Not because um, I'm looking particularly for one to uh, take off or anything, more, more just to test and experiment and see what works. And um, yeah, just to um, learn new things, really. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're like not in one specific industry or like one market. They're targeting different no, groups? No, not... Yeah, completely different industries, completely different okay. technologies. Um, yeah, like each time I try and do something completely different, um, I, it's kind of rare that I build things in the same industry twice. I kind of um, learn what, what I can and then move on to something else that I'd like to test next. And how does that usually happen? Like, are, are you triggered by an idea because you want to go to that direction or you see something and you're like, oh, let me try that. Like, how does that usually come to you? I I tend to keep a list of ideas and if I see the same patterns and themes and um, interests repeating over and over again, it tends to kind of make it onto the list of what might be an interesting next side project. So um, if there's kind of any discussions online or if we've talked about anything in particular, something that, you know, I, I think would be interesting to test out, I kind of um, put a weekend aside and, and try and just see how that would work out and, and just test some theories out, really. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, usually the way I do it, like, um, and I'm trying to change this. Uh, I usually see something, and then I always try to match it to my interest, I guess, subliminally. Like, I don't do it intentionally. And then I always sort of, you know, I have all these limitations that I can't do a lot of things, and I'm always, like, try to measure it, like, oh, can I do that, you know, do I have the skills? Like, do you do that or, like, you try to push yourself through, like, something that you're trying to learn maybe? Yeah, I think um, I think the, what interests me the most is, is this going to work? How am I going to tackle the challenge of, of making it? And, um, you know, just coming up with strategies and ideas and um, once it's built and it's running and I kind of build things in a way that they kind of look after themselves so they don't really need much mm -hmm. ongoing management so that what I'm kind of left with is assets that kind of either run themselves or that I um, 
take a little, little bit of time to um, run them every now and again that doesn't kind of um, become my sole focus which leaves me free to either start new things or what I've kind of been doing recently is selling side projects so that then I can mm-hmm. build bigger and better things really and put the money and more time into something that kind of snowballs from there really. Is that are these products that you already did or the the new ones that you're starting with sort of that intention to build it and then sell it like or is just a mix of Yeah, I don't I don't think I start something with the intention of selling it. I think Mm. um, I start something with the intention of learning something new and seeing what comes of it and how far I can take it with my, you know, with with the skills that I've got, whether I feel like I'm the right person to continue running it um, isn't always necessarily the case. And Mm -hmm. sometimes um, I'm kind of limited in terms of how many hours I can spend on something. So in order to start a new project, you have to let something go sometimes. And um, as opposed to feeling like you've let something um, expire or start working or fall fall apart, Mm -hmm. surely it's better to hand that off to somebody else to continue that um, and run with it and come up with new ideas for it and it can be the seed for somebody else's business yeah do you do that easily because recently i have this one product that i did like two years ago and i could honestly give it to someone maybe for like a thousand bucks like it's it's ready you just need to market it and i look at it i'm like hmm, i'm just gonna hold on to it for a little bit more maybe i'll you know I'll, <laughs> I'll i'll bring it back one day but it's never gonna happen but i'm not like willing to sell like do you feel like sort of you know let like do you have a hard time letting go like what do you build um some things I do I think some of the projects that I've spent more time on or that are closer to my own interests I find harder to let go or things that have worked really well um so one um productized service I did was Podwords, which was a podcast transcription service and the the model worked really well but I kind of got to a point where it was um I wanted to produce really quality um transcriptions and the scaling of that and the hiring of a team was kind of something outside Mm -hmm. of um the the sort of time that i had for a project like that and as much as i wanted to carry on running it it would it would be better to pass that on to somebody who could run that as a full-time as a full-time business really so it was something i really enjoyed running and i kind of saw myself doing that for a long longer period of time but um i wanted to kind of make sure give it the best shot possible and um pass it on to somebody else who could um hopefully keep it running for the future yeah and you've done like products that there are sort of SaaS, but also there are services right like podwords that was sort yeah, of a... i've done a mixture of everything so physical products yeah. productized services web apps um a, a sort of services like lo- like locally like photography businesses things like mm-hmm. that so um I kind of try to um, fill the gaps in my knowledge by picking something completely different each time. Um, and I think doing that has, has made future projects more successful because mm-hmm. I've kind of covered off so many different skills and so many different angles that it just makes it easier to um, find a way through um, a particular problem through all the different things you've learned in the past, really. Yeah, so like a product that you did before could help you with something that you're trying right now. Yeah, it's really that's cool true. though that you you know you get. I have all these ideas I want to try, but usually I've I think what I like about your products are that they're smaller in a way that you get you get to test it quicker and you yeah. get to see what it is and if there's room for it to grow, like you can do that. However, yeah. like all the products that I've done, like. I've started with a big idea and then you get stuck with it for two years. And I think for most people starting out, it's what you're doing, you know, because you never know, like one of the products that you've done could pick up and then you're like, oh, okay, this is, you know, this is blowing up. I'm going to double down on it. Right. So I really like that, you know, like, so are like how many are active right now? Or like, do you have one that you're sort of, um, working on i think there's there's probably about five or six things that are active some things that aren't particularly um monetized and there's you know like a a monthly newsletter i write that probably takes me a couple of hours a month Mm -hmm. um then there's there's other things that um 
are kind of web apps that kind of don't really need much maintenance. And then there's projects that I am perhaps actively working on or, or looking to expand or speak to people and grow, actively grow in my spare time. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've still got quite a lot that um, exist, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're actively growing them or, or, or kind of expanding upon mm -hmm. them. I kind of like the fact that um, it's really low cost now. You, you can you can run a service or an app, and it doesn't have to cost you every month. You can you can leave it there in the background, and mm -hmm. you can spot these opportunities. Maybe it's a discussion on Twitter. Maybe it's a a conversation in Slack. But there are these times, these opportunities where something you have running in the background is the perfect um, thing to mention at that particular time. There's no hard sell. It's Mm -hmm. Oh, this is something I have have running. Check it out. If it looks like it would work for you, let's talk about it. And sometimes time is what a project needs more of. It probably needs less code and more times to to come across those opportunities yeah. to to kind of find um, the right time and place to to speak to people about it. Because the time you build it isn't necessarily the right time to market it. It could it could be a few months down the line when things pick up in a particular trend or um, mm. A particular well-known person is looking for something that 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 might might kind of help you with with marketing the service. So um, I wouldn't be afraid to build something that then you um, can sort of leave running in the background and find these right times to market it. It doesn't necessarily have to be as soon as it's finished being built that now marketing is in full force and that is all you're doing. Um, you you can kind of um, have something there and uh, hopefully the times will come where you can spot the opportunity and um, kind of s sort of uh, sell it to people, but without it being a, a hard sell really. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I really like that. That's like a, you know, waiting for that perfect timing in the market. And like, you have all these little products that are lurking in the background and you're like sort yeah. of picking it <laughs> and like, Oh, this is, you know, it's the right time now to make Instagram 2.0, you know? Uh, and also you, I'm trying to connect this whole thing with something that you did differently from me. And what I did is that I went in all in, in most of my products. And as soon as I was done with it, I tried to do the hard sell. Like you just said that you shouldn't, you know, like, oh, I'm done now. I have this product. Bye, bye, bye. It's great. You know, and it just doesn't work like that. Like when you say, when you say a product needs time it doesn't necessarily mean that it needs time to be built. Like you can build yeah. that in a, on a weekend, but it needs time for it to cook properly and like be be ready when the right time comes. And I've done that wrongly so many times. Like I build it and like I, um, I try to sell it. And part of that was because I went all in in all my products. And you, you work, right, while you do these products and you have that yeah. sort of, you have that privilege to sort of, you know, just wait and, see what's picking up right that's true and sometimes things that you don't think will take off really surprise you and mm -hmm. um you kind of get responses from people when you share things that you weren't really expecting you can build something in a few hours or a weekend and um usually kind of the strangest or funniest idea are the ones that kind of stick with people the most and it's always interesting to see what kind of reactions people have and sometimes the thing that you think is going to be a hit people aren't really that interested and any kind of, it's it's good to it's good to know that feedback early on and um, continue testing and refining what is it that people are interested in and what can I do to make this a better service and um, mm -hmm. if you are kind of trying to do this alongside contract work or a full-time job like I do then you have to kind of batch that kind of um, that work together so you aren't overwhelming yourself with expecting to build a fully fledged app and um, market it constantly and be um, have this amazing growth growth all in you know a few months time it's mm -hmm. um, kind of you kind of need to give yourself a little bit of a, a break and um, let things happen a little bit more naturally but keep an eye out for those opportunities as well yeah that's a really good point um I really like that. I'm, I'm going to try to apply that to my case. I mean, now I can do that more because I'm, you know, I'm, 
I'm marketing Claritask, but then I'm, I'm doing consultancy work. And, you know, we talked a long time ago privately where you said, like, I was struggling with, you know, getting Claritask to, to have more clients. And, and one thing that I liked that you said, you know, you were suggesting that I do take on some work. And you said, you know, like, Claritask needs happy you. Like, I should be happy working on it because if I'm not, then it's not going to grow. It's not going to go anywhere, you know. So yeah. having that sort of patience and... You know, just um, having the time to to give all these products their due diligence, to due time until they grow. I think that's the best thing you can do. But yeah. one thing that's int- that you know interests me is like how do you how do you balance your time? Like you have a full time job, and like I know these products may not take a long time to do, like to work on. But like, do you have a system in place, or you just sort of pick it up as you go, like? Yeah, I think it depends. I think I I tend to do a lot of um, planning and thinking before I actually start building anything. So it might be that I have an idea and then it's weeks and months and lots of notes and research down the line. And all those things may only be sort of 15 minutes here and there. But if you put all of your research into the same place, whether that's a Google Doc or or mm-hmm. anything really, just the notes on your phone, when you come back to it, you realize how much you've gathered together on a project. And when you get to that point, you can kind of build it. You know what you're building. You know what the content's going to be. You know where you're going to post it and market it and who the first few customers may be. So I think you can do a whole lot in really small chunks of time. And when you come to build, you have most of the things figured out and it's just putting the pieces together based on your original plan as opposed to sitting down and thinking, mm-hmm. okay, what shall I build today? It's more a case of looking at the the history of what, what you've gathered together and seeing, um, seeing uh, what could come out of what you've already planned for really. Yeah. And how do you, one thing that I, uh, going back to what you said, like on, on my previous question, like how do you, how do you know when you know you build something and how do you get that feedback of sort of understanding if that product is a hit or a miss even though it might be early on like what are sort of the signals that tell you either to quit or maybe even if you're not getting enough feedback the feedback that you're looking for like how do you tell yourself "Mm, maybe you know this product needs a little bit of time like how do you do you know the distinction like between those sort of instances yeah, after I all think these products? Yeah, I think you definitely do know. I think it's it. I think when you do enough projects, you see the differences in a project that just takes off and has momentum of its own, and it's mm-hmm. surprisingly easy how that happens. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know, there's there's been times when you you can sell a product without even having a landing page up. And people are like, well, where do I sign up for this? And you're like, well, I haven't even got anywhere for you to sign up for this yet. Um, so I think those indicators of people wanting to pay you pay you for a particular um, product or service before it's actually ready. Um, so mentioning it before it's even live is a good thing to get into the habit of. It's something I struggle with. I kind of want to um, promote something when it's finished and ready for people to see it. But I'm starting to learn more and more that um, it takes so many mentions for even people you know and, and talk with regularly to remember what you are working on, that you have to get in there early. And the earlier you start mentioning it, the the quicker um, people will start to um, come back to you for that particular thing. So there are definitely indicators in terms of people just um, – not caring what your website looks like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, wanting to move forward with the pro- the product and the service. Um, definitely get early feedback. Definitely share it as much as you can, uh, and share it with the right audiences. I think sometimes people share it with the wrong audience, and then get um, mm-hmm. negative feedback or or not as enthusiastic feedback as they were hoping for, and that kind of makes them feel like they want to quit. Where in reality, they just shared it with the wrong audience. Yeah, this goes actually in line with what I'm reading right now. I'm reading Obviously Awesome by April Dunford. And I okay. really love the book. And actually, I wanted to ask you this question. Have, have it, has it have happened to you where you had a product, you, you pitched it to a group of people, and maybe got some signals, but 
was was there a time when you had to or not you had to but you you repackaged a product and then it picked up like you just sold it differently or renamed it or maybe you just talked to a different group of people and you were yeah. like oh you know they didn't like it but these guys seem to go crazy about it it's the same product did that ever happen definitely, to you definitely yeah okay. definitely i i did a wordpress plugin um okay. and it was for um people who struggle struggle with writer's block and i think the branding that i did for it was terrible okay <laughs> um i think the f i i called it something that people uh, there's basically like a method in writing where um, if you aren't sure of a word in a sentence, say, for example, you want to look up a fact or a figure, you, mm -hmm. you put a, a marker in your document, either a question mark or, or letters that don't particularly appear in the English language very often. So normally the letters TK because they don't really appear mm -hmm. very often. And um, this what this WordPress plugin did was it allowed you to kind of freely write in your document and then put these markers in and you could it would kind of automatically search for um, the uh, sort of the fact or figure you were looking for either in Wikipedia or things like that. And it was kind of quite useful because it helped people to get rid of writer's block and uh, follow this kind of method. Um, but because I named it something that people weren't searching for, I should have named it more around the problem, which was writer's block, as opposed to what the fix was, which was this method. Mm -hmm. And I think as soon as I called it something that people were struggling with, even if they hadn't heard of the method before, they were like, oh, that sounds that sounds really interesting. And I think um, I kind of learned from that, naming, trying to name it something clever or trying to name it something um, that you want it to be called doesn't work. You need to name it something that... Um, makes it easy for people to find you and know what it is. And that's one of the things I really like mm -hmm. about Claritesque, the name. I think that's, um, it's a really great name and a really great brand. And I think um, that is, is one of the things that probably sticks in people's mind the most is it's it's really easy to remember the name and it's really um, descriptive of, of what the product provides. And I think you've done a really good job with that. Oh, thank you. I You know, like yesterday I was on an interview with Noah and uh, Ben, in their podcast and I, I was talking about how i'm thinking of re renaming it really <laughs> yeah no, you know I just <laughs> yeah like i just hearing you talk about how you named your product you renamed your product around the problem rather than the fix that sort of got my brain you know spinning and thinking hmm like what is the problem because i'm i'm going through this whole repositioning that i'm trying to do based on the book i'm reading um, trying to like give it to another audience, another group of people, and then see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, the name is definitely clear of what it does, but one thing that I think I'm doing wrong is I am competing with really tough competitors. Um, like these guys are, you know, giants. And one thing to fight them better is if I change categories or I make up a new category. And uh, what I'm thinking about is I'm thinking about uh, not going as a pro project management, task management sort of tool solution, but more of a company management thing, you know, like something that brings everyone together and actually manages, helps you manage your company better with reviews and, you know, performance and et cetera and product productivity. So that's that's where my name change changing idea is coming from where I'm thinking like hmm you know competing with these guys in the same category is just like it's going to be impossible because they're like um you know we know Asana maybe this is better but eh, Asana does this you know so we're we're okay but if I yeah, package it, it to you know to like if I push it push it if I try to sell it to like a CEO who's struggling to bring his sort of company together and then you know help them do that successfully i'm thinking that they could use claritask alongside these giants and then you know it's just completely different context i don't know this is yeah. all theory i think you are in a really competitive space in terms of i think you've probably got a better brand than some of the people in the space already though no oh, thanks um, <laughs> thank you i mean asana i don't really you know that doesn't really kind of make you um imagine anything or or particularly um mm -hmm. i think that they're they're a huge competitor but i think their brand is not particularly descriptive it's not particularly helpful um there's plenty of companies that kind of um come up with a word that um they want to own 
but I think um, mm -hmm. especially when you're competing in the marketplace you need to feel like you fit um, and I think in your current place you do fit with your current brand but obviously mm -hmm. it's always good to see and investigate um, if a pivot is is right for your market and if, if you are getting good signals from um, potentially changing changing the direction then Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think if there's positive feedback, it's something to consider. I mean, I was even thinking of doing it like easier. Like I don't, I don't touch Claritask as it is, but the way I, w I would go about testing it with this other crowd is that I can re I can make up a new brand with this idea that I have with Claritask being a, a company management thing, and then I do that a landing page and everything, or even the product, a separate sort of server and everything. And then if I see some signals there, then maybe I can rebrand the entire thing. But if there's nothing, I can still keep what I have, you know. Yeah. So that's another idea, you know, maybe just go with the landing page with this new product that actually exists already, but just repackage differently and then try to sell it. I mean, that's what the book actually tells you to do, essentially, like just, you know, try to reframe the context that you're operating in. And I'm really enjoying it. It's like perfect timing for me. So we'll see what happens with the test. But... Yeah, so that sounds like a, a really interesting approach to try and um, come up with a different brand or a different positioning mm -hmm. and kind of almost relabel your existing product and, and make some changes that way. I think that would be, yeah, I'll be looking forward to seeing what, what comes of that. Yeah, it's, it's a different, definitely uh, an interesting exercise. And I'm trying to do, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do things that I, I don't have to do a lot of work to achieve that, you know, like. Always when I when I get a new idea, like let me make up some tasks and you know like let me make it like a lot of work and like what am I doing? Like recently, I'm I'm seeing you and other people. Everybody's trying to spend as, as little time as possible to make the biggest impact, and that's how actually you do it. Like it's you're not supposed to work a lot. If if it's something that's picking up that people want, it should be easier. Like you shouldn't be measured against the amount of work you put in. You know so. I'm gonna to try to, you know, put as little time as possible in this thing. Maybe like a weekend, a new name, a new logo, a new landing page. That's it. Send a couple of uh, cold emails. Yeah. If I get some signals, like maybe like five, ten percent out of my uh, the list that I sent to, then you know maybe I could maybe investigate a little bit more. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that sort of brings me to the other question that you know you had forty products, all different, different markets. Like how do you? Um, how do you sort of validate that idea with all these different markets that you may or may not be part of, you know? Like, how do you talk to all these different people? Yeah, I think um, I definitely kind of make sure that I'm kind of starting one thing at a time. And um, I think it comes back to the planning as well and thinking things mm -hmm. through and thinking, um, I, I, I don't think I have, may, maybe on one or two occasions I have picked an industry that I'm not a part of and whether it was writing content or um, I, I think the motivation goes really quickly when you um, pick a project that you aren't a part of that market and I think I learned that early on probably so that since mm -hmm. then I have um, twisted what I look towards to fit um, my interest and, and interestingly I, di I did kind of a side project um, review or audit recently and looking at all of my projects the ones that i've enjoyed the most the ones that have worked worked well and been the most profitable they all kind of fit around the same three themes um which is kind of graphic design and images mm -hmm. um kind of um things for creative people and makers and there's quite a lot of physical products in there so i think um, a lot of the products I will make going forward will um, cross over into one or more of those categories. And I think I've kind of got to the point now by doing so many and trying so many things that I'm starting to get a much better picture of what is right for me and what I am good at. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think at some point I might hit upon a project that um, is the intersection of all of those three things. And that might be the thing that I end up staying with long term. Oh, it's really cool, like, how you're navigating all that. Like, the journey is, like, very sort of, not planned, but it's sort of, like, easier. Like, you're walking through this 
forest and you're picking ideas and things and then you're just making it up as you go but you're still sort of you know keeping your vision like your end vision sort of um yeah in focus that's really cool like you're not forcing it you know as a lot of you know us like i do that like i try to force myself into a direction and i get all these snags and like i get frustrated so i think yeah. it's great to go all in on a, on a product and i would definitely do that if i had a certain amount of runway or a certain amount mm -hmm. of time where I could say, well, let's give this, you know, a good six to 12 months and um, keep pushing on a product that I really believe in. But I'm kind of wanting to build things within the constraints of, of other time and other work. And I think I'm slowly, I think my projects have got better over time. I think I've picked things that have worked um, more freely and just, yeah, I think you. the more you try, the more you know yourself, the more you will pick a better product next time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you have to throw things away and, and start from scratch every time, but, um, yeah, I think sometimes you kind of have to feel like you're not forcing yourself into working on a side project. You kind of feel like you have to enjoy it still. And that comes back to what we were saying about you being happy, about making sure that um, the, the best way your product will succeed is if you have um the income that you need whether that's mm -hmm. from other work and making sure that you have a good work-life balance and as soon as you feel like your side project is an obligation that's when the fun goes um mm -hmm. so to give it the best chance you have to make sure that you are happy in all these other areas and um then you're giving you're giving the product you make the best chance to survive and um i think it's it, there's nothing more frustrating than than, than trying to sell something that you're frustrated in um right. and uh um anything you can do to um just think um i'll have a short break i'll take a break and think things through mm -hmm. and come back to it um sometimes trying to force it kind of makes the situation um yeah not go the necessarily the way you wanted it to just because sometimes you can try too hard i think Mm -hmm. And I think it looks bad, even like if you're talking to a prospect, like it's sort of a desperation of sorts. Like they see that you're really pushing this hard and like you can't really hide that, especially when you are working on your own, like you're talking. If you had like a salesperson who's feeling differently, maybe more objectively about the entire thing, it's different. But, you know, if if I am frustrated and I'm trying to sell it, like I cannot act positively perfectly fine like while yeah. i'm doing that sale like it will come through as a negative at some point so yeah, yeah definitely definitely like i i noticed that you know like recently i have more registrations now because i'm a little bit active on quora and like other spaces more people are finding out about me through the podcast and twitter and like i noticed that a lot of people that are coming through they're giving claritask a bigger chance to try it out like they have more patience with it because my responses to these new users are a little bit more aloof. Like they're a little bit more, I'm not saying like careless or anything, but just like when I talk to these prospects, I'm like not rushing it. I'm giving them more time, I'm not trying to sell it. And I definitely see the difference between how I am now with how I was like a couple of months ago when I was trying to like really sell it. Like my my sort of, uh, you know, um, connection with these people was just off. Like it would just be like terrible. Like even if yeah. I was doing a demo. Um, which led me to to think about something that yesterday, I think, or a, a day or so ago, I, I put it up on Mega Maker. It's something that I discovered like recently, at least I'm not sure if it's true. I don't know if you saw it, but I was talking about how if people know of you, like they like you and they're like, they're trusting you, they are more willing to give you a bigger chance when they're trying your product and they're, they give you the benefit of the doubt. They give you a, a bigger chance with your shortcomings and sort of comparison if nobody knows you and they come to your product and they're like, oh, this is shit. This doesn't look good because they don't know you. I don't know how true that is, but that's sort of starting to make sense with me. You know, like I see people registering and they're like, oh, you know, I like your podcast. I really like the product. I'm going to give it a try. And then they come back a day later like, oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? And that doesn't happen with people that don't know me like at all. Like they don't know about the brand or anything. I don't know how true that is. I know you've worked in support for ConvertKit, et cetera. Like, is that, does that ring any bells? Like, is that true at, at, in any yeah, sort of definitely, yeah. sense? I okay. Think, yeah, I, I think um, it seems strange, but people really do 
develop a sort of sense of how much they really like a product or um, you know especially working for companies where you have people who are really really enthusiastic about it and say how much they love the, the product and and things like that and um, that doesn't happen overnight and I think mm-hmm. um, it comes from the founders talking about what they stand for and knowing that person and knowing the story behind it and I think the more you share your story and why you built something and um, talk around the product as opposed to selling the product, the more you do that, um, mm-hmm. the more it's on their radar, the more they realize and kind of connect with you. And um, and also, especially for a product like yours, you're selling into companies and knowing you're going to be around for the long haul mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. You know, in, in business is really important and it builds trust. And again, that's something that can't be rushed. I think you are... Yeah, I think you're going the right way about it by by kind of building that um, relationship and answering people's questions. And um, yeah, I think when you're kind of in a rush to sell, it kind mm-hmm. of hurts when you don't make that sale. Um, and when you are in a kind of place to take a step back and, and answer people's questions and you aren't rushing the sale, then I think um, you come across as more enthusiastic about the product and um, yeah, it just makes a difference. I think just giving people the room to breathe and consider their options if they're weighing up two different products. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it just makes for a more um, human and pleasant experience when you're um, kind of talking to people online. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always wonder, like, you know, if, is there room for like a product that uh, nobody knows about the founder? Uh, it doesn't have like a blog. It just has like a couple of pages. It's a nice product, but is that product going to succeed if the founders or the the company itself doesn't invest in their brand? Like, is there anything like that? You know, like I always wonder. Like, are we maybe overdoing this sharing thing? Like, you know, our journey and everything. Like, is it? I don't know. Yeah, like, are there companies that I, just sit back and like, okay, you know, use our product? <laughs> I think a good example of that would be. Um, card the landing page builder oh like you know the founder isn't particularly a public figure nobody knows him (laughs) yeah exactly um but even through being semi-anonymous um they are still talking about the product talking Mm -hmm. about what um what they like you kind of get a sense of their values and things like that so yeah Mm -hmm. i think i think that's probably a good example because it just shows you don't necessarily for people who worry about having to be a public figure behind a product um i think as long as you have a way or a channel of sharing what you care about what your values are what you know why this product was built um you give people faith in in that it comes from a good place and Mm -hmm. that it's built to serve a problem as opposed to um you know just just be some more code that kind of we don't necessarily want in our lives kind of thing so um yeah i think there's lots of examples like that i think it's just that we think of the more public people first and foremost right right yeah and uh this goes back to the the great article you wrote like a week or so ago about um, yeah you know like one Thanks. thing that i liked about it was that the method which a lot of us think about it but you know I mean, know it, but you can't really place it sort of in words. And you, you said it so well. And I would like to hear it from you a little bit. Like, what do you, you know, like, I've read the article a couple of times. Like, I get it. I mean, I understand the language, <laughs> first and foremost. <laughs> but I try to get it. Like, you know, what is Helen really trying to say here? Like, one of the things that I got from it was, I will I will actually um, put the link on the show notes for, for the listeners. But uh, one of the things that I got for it was that, you have to stand for something like you said like you know the why behind the product like you know why does this product exist so it's not just a bunch of code put together to make a sale so like i i'd like to hear from you like what do you mean about you know the method you know mostly like from from your perspective there there were two parts to it so um first of all if you are clear on your own values and beliefs and um what you think about a why you are building a product, what you think about the industry, where you stand on certain issues. And they don't have to be huge things. They don't have to be a political. They can be, um, you know, what software do you use for this? And there's lots of kind of mini internet rivalries for different opinions and things like that. But these kind of differentiators help 
people in their mind almost not in a bad way but pigeonhole you and put put Mm -hmm. you somewhere in their mind of this person is like me and they think like I do and they if they think like I do then they probably want to solve the same problems that I do and if you come along with a method which is um, not necessarily anything to do with your software right now but a process that they can follow if you have this problem let's say in project management if you struggle to get projects done to a deadline if you do x y and z follow this this structure and Mm -hmm. it will improve your team you're giving them some value first before you ask them to buy something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they can try that out they can see that you know what you're talking about they can see that you you know the industry well and then you can say well my product is built for that method to make it easier so you're not using excel spreadsheets so you're not kind of try to to make something that doesn't work for that method you're giving them a better how they they need to have the process and the flow and your product is the way they follow that method so mm-hmm. it just seems to be something you can teach people up front and give value first and help people in your industry and have something to talk about that isn't trying to sell right yeah so they don't need your product to follow that method if they don't want to like they can do that on their own yeah, I really like that yeah. part, and I could. I wanted to do something like that with uh, on my blog, where I really explain like how, not how ClarityTask works, but how the method that I think is good works, and then you know, I guess ClarityTask yeah. could help them that with that. But just I have to find the time with everything else that I'm doing <laughs> to write. I something I think it like also that. helps people to to know when the product is not right for you, because I think one mm-hmm. thing I've learned about buying software is what doesn't it do um mm-hmm. if if somebody is looking for i don't know um kind of timelines and gantt charts and venn diagrams and they sign up for your product and it doesn't do that right. they're following a different method than they expected mm-hmm. and the sales page may not have communicated they might list the features and benefits and the things it can do but might not necessarily um, you might not be on the same page. So by being clear about how you think um, people should work and having blog posts and mm-hmm. um, tutorials and things, um, yeah, I think it can help people to identify and say, well, no, this isn't for me because I'm looking for something that's slightly different or this seems like a really good way to work and I'll give it a try. So it might mm-hmm. save you time as well on customers that aren't right from the start. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've done that before. Like we had a product, I had a team and we did everything to get people to the page to convert them at a specific rate, register them. And we did all that. We converted people from visitors to registrations 25% and they paid. And the way we made them pay was that, you know, we were giving discounts on the first week and blah, 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 but they wouldn't stay. Why? Because we weren't explaining the product really well, you know, like we were trying to make a sale. And I think that's where being vocal about what you stand for, which you talk about in the article, comes in. Because if more people hear what you're talking about, it the chances are that you will attract those people who are a good fit because they will know what this company or this product is about. I mean, that's the way I got it, you know, like the more you put out there, the more right people will know about what it is you know so yeah yeah and uh to switch gears recently i know you do no code so you're building a lot of your products not using any code and i i haven't gotten into it like that much like i'm hearing more and more people doing it uh so i want to hear a little bit more of from you if you were to explain it to someone like me who's not into it like what it is and what it is not like yeah in so words I guess I, first of all, the the no code and low code movements are kind of taking existing apps and integrations and putting them together in new combinations to build a new app. So it might be the case that somebody doesn't know how to code. They, you know, they have quite straightforward uh, technical skills, but they can literally start a business without having to to write any code or or go through that that kind of uh, that long cycle of of kind of learning um, the tools before you can actually make anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I kind of realized that this is something that I've always 
done and always deferred to. I mean, I did study computer science at university. I did do a degree. So, um, but I think it comes back to the time constraint thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're not coding every day, those skills uh, fall away. Um, and if it's not part of your day job, um, getting back, to, back into that is a huge amount of time. It's a huge investment. It's fantastic if you can do that. And definitely, I think, uh, by no means do I think no code means less need for developers. I think, it, if anything, I think the no code movement is going to free developers up to build more interesting things because so they aren't repeating building the same app over and over again mm-hmm. because people can go and build those those kind of clone sites very easily and uh, and put things together. So hopefully this movement will mean more interesting projects for developers and it will enable people to build simple apps for themselves and mm-hmm. test things out. And then there's no reason why you can't, um, once you've got traction or validation, then you fully build an app that's production ready and you aren't relying on necessarily these kind of um, integrations and things like that. Um, so it's a good starting point. It's a fast way to iterate and it's a fast way to come up with an idea and um get something live really quickly. And there's so many things now, there's so many things like um Zapier and um Integromat and just these kind of API uh, connectors where you can pretty much um you know you can you can make a, a physical product business that delivers things to people's door, you can mm-hmm. um connect to all kinds of things and um, from iOS apps and, and, and things like that, things that really would have taken tens of thousands of dollars uh, really not that long ago. And I think it's just an interesting kind of movement. I think it's something that I've kind of been a part of even um, just my way of doing things really, of, of just trying things quickly and trying things um, multiple projects and multiple interests. And yeah, I think it's, um, an interesting time really i think it's going to um only get more and more interesting really yeah and there are actually now like there's this frameworks right that actually you can build the entire thing like without having to like pick up like stripe and zapier and all these tools put them together there are now actual frameworks right is that correct that like you can yeah actually so build there's it. things like um there's um, a website called zero code and what they do is they sell uh bubble bubble templates so um and it's basically like a templated app. So if you want to build a directory or you want to build a, uh, a clone of something that already exists, um, you want to build, let's say you want to build a community mm-hmm. in a similar style to Product Hunt or Hacker News, you can use those templates and literally for $40, $50, you, you've then got the basis of a whole app that you can then start to put That's the amazing. additional work in of, of content and and just um yeah putting your stamp on it really so it's not necessarily about launching the things that are identical but you can actually think about that the building is the easy part and what mm-hmm. is the hard part is creating the content creating the brand coming up with something unique coming up with a hook for a product and um yeah just um trying to differentiate yourself we we've kind of got lots of building blocks of of internet things you know most apps you need to need to build a business already exist and we're getting to the point the web is mature enough that we don't necessarily have to keep rewriting things and reinventing the wheel Mm -hmm. we can use what we've already made yeah exactly yeah i mean this whole new code sort of movement like the term itself is like so new but we've always done that in a way like if you're building a excuse me if you're building like a wordpress site and it's doing something like Appy where you're registering someone, like you basically written no code, like you bought a $30 template, hooked it up to WordPress and that's it. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's so true. that's really cool. Like how you can do that now. And I haven't really gotten into it. Like I sort of invent problems to code, which is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I catch myself, you know, more and more where I'm like, oh man, I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like nobody's going to want this. Like, why am I doing that? So. Yeah, I think if but, you um, enjoy coding, if you enjoy that, I mean, there's no reason <clears throat> not to. I think the no-code movement is just enabling a new um, group or generation of creators where they haven't got to invest um, mm. all that time. They can make things and share their ideas faster. And um, by all means, I think uh, p- putting that time into uh, 
learn new languages and learn new skills i think it's a great thing to do but for some people it, you know it's just not feasible or they don't have the time or um they they have an idea that they want to launch this weekend and yeah. um yeah i think it's it's um it's going to be really good i think uh, yeah i think lots of people will will benefit from um lots of tutorials out there and and there's lots of communities springing up and and helping people and finding new ways to make things that um we never really thought was going to be possible without um spending a lot of money and a lot of time so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing seeing how that grows and i'm sure it will do over the over the next year or so that's awesome yeah so um my computer is almost dying because i don't have my charger <laughs> on me and i think we've reached almost like 50 minutes which usually is enough sure. for the listeners who are so busy but i think we covered so many awesome things and i thank you for being in the show because some of the things we talked about i think uh, a lot of, of the listeners will find useful um and yeah. their journey and what they're building on you know like uh so that's really cool so thanks for taking the time to be on the show and uh do you have a product that you want to plug in or like something more you know recent that you're working on um so i guess the main thing i have um live now is uh, namesace.com so if you're looking for a, um, a domain name for your next side project so that's namesace.com um, um so there's a free newsletter every month just with some ideas and inspiration some freely available domain names and if anybody's looking for any help on any side projects i do some kind of one-to-one -one help at feedbackfridays.com so um you need to um if you have any ideas and need any feedback you can uh, contact me there awesome yeah i'll list all these on the show notes and for anyone who wants to look at them they can uh look at the show notes which don't appear on spotify for some reason but they do on overcast and apple Podcasts and all over the place but spotify doesn't so uh but yeah thanks a lot helen um yeah uh have a great weekend and then uh i guess i'll talk to you offline on twitter mega maker and other places where we talk yeah it was fun thanks yeah all right, take care. Bye. See you soon. All right, bye. Bye.